UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I have with me the spectacular Jason McClellan. Hola. La, la, la. I was thinking of making a Jason McClellan theme song somehow. Maybe like, he's Jason McClellan. Do, 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 do. Jason McClellan. 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 What do you think? Ooh, well... Kind of like, my my initial reaction is I'm opposed to it, but <laughs> yeah. uh, come back to me next week and I'll see what you've got. Okay, I'll work on something better. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we have, I'll tell the guys about our guest today, uh, which is pretty exciting. We have Reverend Michael Carter, and uh, so his, he's written a book recently called Alien Scriptures, and it pretty much has to do with aliens uh, in the Bible, what he thinks is, you know, stories. Of course, others have done this, too, of uh, the Bible and that um, some of the stories in the Bible actually are talking about extraterrestrials. So he thinks some of the, you know, uh, paranormal things that happen in there are, are due to extraterrestrials. He's been on Ancient Aliens a few times, and he's uh, actually got a degree from the Union Theological Seminary in New York City, which is a pretty big school, a, a very well-known school. Uh, his degree is in divinity there. Um, he's also got a degree uh, in letters from the College of New Rochelle, so he is an academic of sorts. And he uh, works now at a universal universalist church. So he has a lot of really interesting things to say. He's a really neat guy. He's a lot of fun. And so we're going to be talking to him about aliens in the Bible. Cool stuff. So we'll have him on in a minute. But before that, Jason, why don't we talk about some of the news from the week? Not that there was a whole lot of UFOs news last week. You're right, buddy. It was a slim pickings week for news. But, uh, you know, we covered what we could from uh, those slim pickings. And so for this week, I think I, I want to talk about... Uh, an upcoming movie about something you and I are very interested in, and that's Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a Skinwalker Ranch movie coming out, and we've, we've known about this, that it's been in the works for a while, but uh, it was Friday, September 13th, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. uh, they finally released the first uh, teaser clip from the movie, and in this clip you see uh, it's a found found footage film, so... It's presented uh, in a in a manner that it seems to be like it's a, a, a real story and, and real footage that was recovered from like home movies. You see this family out at Skinwalker Ranch. They live there, and then something appears above the uh, the the child of the family, and he disappears, and they freak out and all that. So it's it's you know in the vein of of. Uh, you know, like the fourth kind and and Blair Witch Project, you know these found found footage movies, where they're pretending that this is real real footage covered re- recovered at some point, and they're they're depicting some of the wide range of unexplained phenomena that are reportedly actually happening at Skinwalker Ranch in in Utah. So this is fascinating, and and I, Skinwalker's a personal interest of mine because I would. I'd really like to get out there and, and do some investigation and see see what it's all about because there have been so many stories and we personally know people who have been out there and, and think there's actually something uh, mysterious going on. So this movie looks like it could be kind of fun, not not great but fun, but I'll reserve my judgment till I see it. But it's done by a production studio in Utah called Deep Studios and uh, they're planning to release the film just before Halloween on October 30th. So 
see what comes of that. Alejandro, they are doing something weird that you know I, I personally don't don't care for um, with their marketing of this, and it seems like they're the only website that exists for this film is a is a Facebook page, and you know a lot of people do that, but this Facebook page is operated by somebody claiming to be the I think daughter or, or some family member people who live there and actually had stuff happen to them. So they're they're playing it up like this is a, a, a real movie and this person is p- pretending to be a, somebody actually involved and her father disappeared or something. And she's on Twitter all the time telling people that it's real. And anybody who mentions Skinwalker Ranch on Twitter, she replies to them and says, oh, have you seen this footage? And, of course, it's the clip from the movie, so... That's yeah. the route they're going with it, which is kind of annoying. But I think what really annoys me about that is, uh, sure, it's just marketing and stuff, but uh, the problem is, is it kind of shows a complete disregard for the field and for real research, and it muddies the water, and they don't care. I mean, once the movie's done, it's like they're gone. You know, right. they don't clarify or anything. It's kind of like fourth kind, and there might even be some people listening to the show who are like, oh, no, that was totally real. There no, it wasn't so real. many people who no matter what you say, will yeah. believe that that movie is real. And the same same holds true with Skinwalker. I, I believe, uh, yeah, I agree with you that that's a big problem. Um, and you're talking about Skinwalker Ranch. This is an incredible story on its own. It doesn't need any embellishment or, you know, pretending. I mean, it's an awesome, intriguing story in its own right. So I don't know why they feel the need to, to go this pretender out. But. I agree with you. I mean, I've talked with... Um you know, at least one of the scientists that was on the ranch, and uh, they were genuinely baffled by what had happened there. Of course, we know George Knapp pretty well, who helped write the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the biggest mysteries, and like you said, it's by itself extremely interesting without any embellishment. Um, yes, the story that writes itself. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a Hollywood goldmine, I would think. But. So it would be fun if it was just a documentary, and even right. if it was film footage, you know, just at least you know, don't try to screw people up, because this will now screw well, up and the, even the research on, their, on case. On the poster they put out, it says Skinwalker Ranch. Right on the poster it says, Inspired by True Events. So... You know, they're already seemingly making it clear that, you know, it's a a fictitious movie that's based on true events. But then by all the marketing with Facebook and Twitter, they're pushing it as being genuine, you know, uh, an actual showing of real footage and... But we'll see see what they do in the end. Well, and I got to say, the scene, though, I guess just... when I saw that scene that they did, there, it was kind of cool in that I thought it was kind of neat how they, um, you know, this guy really felt like a rancher, like these were ranchers out there, uh, which is kind of cool. So they did a good job with that, I felt, because sometimes, you know, the I'm from Colorado. I'm used to ranch country, spent a lot of time in New Mexico, and I've spent time with ranchers and investigating cattle mutilation or just camping and stuff. Uh, and sometimes Hollywood gets these ranchers like they're Hollywoodish, and you know they're not. They don't feel like they're real ranchers. So that Hollywood kind of, ranchers. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you can tell this is just a hipster with a cowboy hat on. Uh, <laughs> but this guy really felt kind of like a rancher. So the feel of that was kind of cool. And then just so people know, just in case they're not familiar with Skinwalker, like the the scene is mirroring a. Uh, pretty popular event where supposedly these ranchers, their dogs were chasing these little orbs of light. Uh, They ran off chasing these orbs of light, and then the dogs were never seen again. In fact, there was a spot where there was some weird substance that was found on the ground where they thought maybe the dog, this was what was left of the dogs. But, um, yeah, they. they, so, I mean, that's what they're kind of trying to portray in this scene, I think. Yeah, and they could have stuck true to the story and use dogs but uh, you know they've got the kid and you know entertainment wise it looks like it it could be a a thrilling and exciting movie we'll see yeah we'll see what happens but one day my friend uh, we'll we'll make our trip out there and see what we can find at Skinwalker right 
All right. So what uh, what story would you like to talk about today, my friend? Well, we had a lot of space and NASA stories, which is kind of cool, but right. um, including a professor who wrote about search for extraterrestrial life, and uh, he's open to UFOs. But the real only UFO story we had, which is a, an interesting one, is um, this UFO over Belfast, which has made some news. So this was a gentleman in the Cave Hill area of uh, just outside of Belfast, and this is a hill, I guess, that overlooks Belfast. And this person videotaped uh, this thing flying around, and this person felt that it was a flying entity that he was seeing. Um, and However, a lot of people have felt that maybe this is a balloon, and uh, he feels that he's filled other entities and stuff like that, but... I kind of feel like, you know, one of the guys that had posted said he thought it was a dragon-shaped balloon, and K-Pop Stars, this Korean pop culture site, posted a link to a dragon-shaped balloon, and it looks just very similar to what what is flying around. Um, Lee Spiegel wrote about it, and he had, of course, Mark D'Antonio look at it. That's his kind of go-to. And Mark D'Antonio from MUFON said he thought it looked like a question mark balloon, and they posted a picture of that because that's fairly common. And uh, I kind of agree with all of that. Personally, at least, it it seems to not really morph shape. It flows uh, very slow, and it kind of spins all the characteristics of a balloon. So I think it's highly probable this thing was a balloon. Or a seahorse. A flying seahorse? Yes, in the sky. Yeah. Is that... Well, I feel the balloon. Flying seahorse, if that is what you feel it is, is perfectly fair to have. Well, Alejandro, I don't, I don't think that it, uh, any of its movements would indicate that it's moving any differently than a seahorse would in the sky. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've never no, seen I'm, a seahorse in the sky. True, I haven't, but that's a very good point because many of us haven't seen question mark balloons or dragon balloons or seahorse balloons in the sky. So yeah. it's understandable why people would look at it and say, holy right. cow. That's bizarre, because it is bizarre. We don't see that every day. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't see anything that would indicate that this is behaving any differently than a balloon would in the sky. And we're seeing this more and more, uh, like we're seeing more and more of everything in the sky, because more people have cameras and are are able to to photograph and, and take video of these things. They do look strange, but I don't see anything that would point to a flying entity or anything extraterrestrial related. Who knows, though? Yeah. But it is kind of making the rounds out there. It's gone a bit viral. So I yep. uh, wanted to tell people about it. If you want to take a look and see what you think, of course, it's on openminds.tv. So there is our short look at the news for the week. Thank you very much, Mr. McClellan, for sharing your input there. It's been my pleasure, as always, Alejandro. And hopefully we'll make it out to Skinwalker, and we will not be... You know what is one aspect... Sorry, i got to add this, because I was just thinking of, of mentioning hopefully we'll be safe when we go out there. Mm-hmm. One aspect that this movie obviously isn't um, going with, which I think is terribly interesting, and I know the scientists I had talked to who at NIDS felt this was interesting, because they were, of course, a little frightened when all of the weirdness happened. But like with the dogs... Nothing ever happened to humans. It was only animals that there was some cattle mutilations, there was some animals disappearing, some other weirdness, but no humans were ever hurt. Uh, however, unfortunately, animals were. Those bastards. So that's kind of an interesting aspect. So at least for us, when we go out there, we, uh, we're human, so most likely we'll be okay. And uh, we'll have a, a no animal policy. Don't don't bring your dog. Yeah, good point. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk with Reverend Carter. I am very excited today to be speaking with the Reverend Michael Carter. Hello, Mr. Carter. Hello, Alejandro. Thank you for calling me. Yes, I'm really excited to talk to you. And you have this new book out called Alien Scriptures. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> excited about that? I, you know, I really am, uh, uh, because I added a couple chapters to it, and one on the Quran, and one on my experiences uh, as a contactee, and I just feel that it's time uh, that 
more and more clergy really need to look at this phenomenon mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and and kind of see where it will take us uh, as far as what does it mean to be a church person or uh, a person who goes to a temple, a mosque, synagogue, etc. The clergy really need to look at this because it's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and for you, you know, you have a, a very academic background. Yeah. Um, you got a degree uh, from New Rochelle, but uh, yes, and Union Theological Seminary. Right, and then you got the degree in divinity from the Union Theological Seminary, yes. which yes, is interesting. Because, you know, there you're actually looking into theology, and was it at this point, or was it prior, that you had already felt that, um, you know, the Bible had possibly been referring to extraterrestrials? Well, it was it was before then, because I was having my contact experiences, experiences before then. Mm-hmm. And as you and I were talking before the show, how shocked I was when I presented this as a topic for my master's thesis. I thought they were going to say, are you kidding me, man? But they were very supportive. But I was already having my contact experiences. But I remember a time when I really... Uh, I remember someone asking me when I was growing up in Baltimore, I don't know how the topic came up, do you believe in uh, UFOs or life on other planets? And I said no. And I distinctly remember them saying, why not? And I said, because it's not in the Bible. Imagine that. Uh-huh. Uh, human evolution is slow. But, uh, but I, you know, I would bring up things. Uh, for instance, there's a wonderful uh, uh, pericope a verse in isaiah uh, uh chapter 40 and it says uh verse 22 says it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers and i was taught like many of us were that we thought the earth was flat until columbus and here we have someone writing three four five thousand years ago and is telling us that uh it is he who sits above the sphere in substance translations, mm-hmm. but the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. So where are they getting this information? Right. And it got me to thinking. And then uh, people like Barry Downing, Dr. Barry Downing, he and I were both uh, in New York yesterday taping a show. Morris K. Jessup, who some say died under very mysterious circumstances, uh, talked about that the Bible may be a book of UFO stories. Uh I want to just say at the outset that I'm not trying to take away anybody's faith. The Bible is, uh, and as is the Quran and the First Testament, which we call the Old Testament, very important pieces of literature, very inspiring, much wisdom is there. Uh, and it's been used to keep uh, people of color down, to discriminate against uh, women and, and gay brothers and sisters. And so the Bible can, you can use the Bible to support any any perspective that you want, really. Mm-hmm. But I try to make sure, I'm not saying that there is no creator. I, I think there is. Uh, I think there's an intelligence, it's not a man or woman or what have you. Uh, I want to say that at the outset, I'm not saying God is an astronaut. But what I am saying, and I'm not the first to say it, is that people, uh, many scholars, whatever, they thought these were either myths or uh, that, you know, we shouldn't take them very seriously. These were just the imaginations of a primitive people. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. We must trust our ancestors more than that. They meant what they said, and they said what they meant in the language of their day. Right. And so I guess to start off, though, and we'll get more into that, certainly, is uh, when did your contact experiences then begin, and how did that happen? Uh, December 28, 1989, I went, it's interesting you even bring that up, talk about synchronicity. I was watching some UFO show this morning on on, uh, the uh, National Geographic Channel, and they were talking about looking for extraterrestrial existence in Chichen Itza in Mexico. Well, I went on a vacation to Mexico uh, with my first wife. Uh, Well, we weren't married then. But uh, we went there, and I came back, and I remember that night I I went out to see some friends of mine uh, down on 42nd Street. It was freezing, especially coming back from, like, close to 90 degrees. And they were drinking and, you know, having some wine, but I was just tired. I I went to a party because someone asked me to. I showed up. I went home, 
And that night, uh, we live on the Upper West Side uh, on the 15th floor of, of a, the Excelsior Hotel on 81st between Central Park West and Columbus. And I just woke up in the middle of the night and my room was lit up like 42nd Street, and there was a being on the edge of my bed, not sitting there, just looking at me, chalky white, pear-shaped head, wrap-around Ray-Ban eyes, close-fitting tunic, uh, like a jumpsuit, very form-fitting. And I heard this gush of wind, and so I... I was frightened. I did what I, I say in the book. I did what any other red-blooded American person would do. I pulled the covers up over my head mm-hmm. and made pretend it wasn't. And I felt this temperature change as if I, as if I was going outside. And I forced my eyes back open. Still, no, not even a, a near a dog barked as they say. It was so quiet. My girlfriend at the time was in a deep slumber, and. Uh, this is what happened to me, and this got me on the quest. And then I started having these visitations every full and new moon for about six, eight months. I, you know, I, I still sleep with the light on. Really? I this day. Yes. Uh, I mean, I turn it off if I wake up in the but and, and I have no, no one has ever harmed me. If anything, they have been friendly, uh, to use the word. But it's just the initial shock of waking up or getting up and my doors are locked, my windows are shut, and there's a being in my room. So that's what started me. I went to a, a, a psychologist, a therapist, because I, I was fearing for my sanity. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Jean Mundy, who has since made her transition to life after life, she uh, she hypnotized me. Bud Hopkins did, late Bud Hopkins, uh, at one time he did. Uh, and they just affirmed or confirmed by that time. By the time I went to Bud, I knew that this was happening, but I was just trying to get a little deeper into the experience. And uh, the good news, Gene Mundy said, was that you're not crazy. And the not-so-good news, depending on how you look at it, is that you've been visited and you will probably uh, continue to be. So uh, that's what started me on this quest. I read voraciously. No history of Star Trek. I'm not a Trekkie. I don't watch it now. I don't go to the movies to see it. I didn't grow up with that. Because I just thought, man, I'm just trying to deal with the life that we have now. So I couldn't say that influenced me. And I had my last visitation was July 4th of this year with years going in between. Mm-hmm. I had a blood clot in my leg back in March that almost killed me. And uh, I didn't know it was a clot. I thought maybe I'd pulled a muscle. And I was taking Coumadin and injecting myself in the stomach with a Nexaparin, this blood center. And on 10 minutes, to, uh, actually 9.49, a being came in my room here in North Carolina, and uh, it was like uh, they shot me. It was like an electric. I felt like electricity was going through me, in in my back and in my legs. And when I got up the next day, the blood clots were gone. My leg was healed. I went to the doctor. Wow. They seemed a little upset. What did you do? <laughs> How did this happen? And of course, I didn't tell them what happened. And uh, I said, aren't you happy? They said, well, we just don't understand this. And so I took the Coumadin for another week or two, and then I went to my doctor, and he wanted me to stay on it for six months, which would have been next month. And I said, look, I don't need this anymore. I I showed it to my wife and my daughter, who says she's had visits. uh, But uh, and it's just miraculous. I'm a very thin man, and my legs, my calf muscles look like LeBron James. And believe me, I'm not built like these athletes are and uh the next day my legs were back to normal haven't had a problem yet uh-huh so when did this initial experience happen the initial one i told you about previously was uh in december 1989 1989 yes uh, uh and then i was having them every uh i was ha- i had them in clusters i had them every full and new moon mm-hmm. for that year and then there may have been a year before one wow. uh, I would have a visitation. I had one a couple of days uh, after uh, 9/11. I was living in New York then, and had a visit. Had a visit once I was up in Boston. Wow. Had a minister's conference. So yeah, uh, but I guess uh, who knows when they come or when they will come. I used to miss them, even though I was afraid. But nothing has ever happened uh, untoward towards me. I have seen reptilians. And I have seen 
uh, I haven't seen grays. I've seen uh, the chalk, like they, they look, I guess they have the big heads and what have you, but they weren't gray in color. They were chalk white. Mm -hmm. Very playful. One, one of them had a hoodie on uh, when he came into my room. Hmm. Uh, this was in the wintertime a few years ago. Uh, but nothing bad has happened. I do Reiki. Uh, I, I'm a Reiki healer. But ever since I've had these visitations, I don't know what's coming through my hands, but it's a pretty powerful uh, energy. Now, when you had that initial experience, did you immediately feel as though this thing was extraterrestrial, or did you feel, uh, were you unsure what, what, what had just happened to you? Well, it was a little bit of both. Uh -huh. uh, what, what had happened, well, I mean, this, this was real. I was not asleep, uh, and I saw the being, you know, in my, it was just looking at me. And and then I pulled the cover up over my head. I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. And I felt the temperature change as if I was outside because this was December. It was freezing. And then I forced my eyes open and I was back in my room. Now, what happened was a friend of mine uh, said to me, uh, she was very calm. She said, Michael, tell me what you saw. Uh, 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 could you draw it for me when I went to visit her? And she said, I want you to go down to the East, Vill East Village to East 5th Street, and there's a, a, a mural on a wall there. And uh, tell me what you see when you go down there. And when I, when I had gone, I caught the subway and I walked over, and there were pictures of extraterrestrials. Someone had painted a mural on a fence there, and it looked like one of the people that came to my, that were in my room, and I told her. Uh, and I, I went to the Strand Bookstore, and I bought all these books, and uh, you know, I was embarrassed, and and uh, I went up to the counter, and the guy said to me, uh, you look like you're in pretty bad shape. I said, no, no, I'm fine. I felt like I was buying a condom or something for the first time. <laughs> and he said, you know, he said, what's all this? And I said, oh, just some books. He said, is this a hobby or is this the real deal? And uh, I didn't answer him at first. I said, I think it's the real deal. He said, it looks like you need a support group. And wow. he turned me on to the space group which is Harold Englund's, uh, and, and Antonio's friends with Harold, uh, his group, his UFO support group. And so I went there, and oh, they okay. helped me through a very hard time. Wow, interesting. And then um, at some point it sounds like the experience has turned into communication, where you were able to communicate with these beings? Well, in, they would show me pictures. Okay. They would show me pictures in my head, uh, and that's the only way I could. Uh, uh, you know, for, for instance, when I was in Boston at a minister's conference, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was paralyzed. And I couldn't force my eyes open. I wasn't asleep. And it was a picture of one of the little uh, extraterrestrials, and he was pointing, and it had a set of prayer hands with a lightning bolt in between the hands. And that, to me, signified we want you to do prayer or spiritual healing. Mm -hmm. uh, there was one time in New York where I was lying on, I usually lie on my stomach when I was going to sleep, and I felt someone touching my head, and I felt this needle go into the back of my head in the small part uh, where the, uh, what is that, called? you know, where, where your spine goes up to. It's a little indentation there. And it was, uh, I mean, it really hurt. And in my mind's eye, they showed me a syringe. And I remember I was so angry that it had hurt me. And I remember screaming at the top of my lungs at them. I used to keep a golf club in my bedroom, and I, I had the golf club. And my wife at the time said, if, you, if I could have taken a picture of you in your underwear, yelling at the top of your lungs with a golf club in your hand, <laughs> saying, stop this, don't stick me, don't hurt me. She said, I would have been priceless. Wow. Yeah. But uh, even though this, this incident happened where, you know, that this uh, it was a painful experience, you feel that um, all your experiences with all of these different entities have been positive overall. Yeah, I, you know, I have to say they were. That's why at the beginning people like David Jacobs used to get on my nerves because I, I appreciate his hypothesis and the hybrid breeding program and all that, and that could very well be true. But for me, 
it's you know when people say well what do the aliens want or what which aliens are you talking about which species mm-hmm. it's like saying what do black people want what do latino brothers and sisters want what do poor apple you have to talk to them individually you you, you know you got to take things individually and uh it would it would it would really uh get under my skin when folk would do that when bud had his support group and Bud and I got along famously, but it was almost like this division with the support group I was in. Most of the folks there felt that they had positive experiences, mm-hmm. even though you wake up and it's like, how the hell did you get it? You know, you go through that kind of thing. And it was like most of the folk in Bud's group, you know, they were traumatized. And I could understand. I mean, you know, ovum is taking uh a sperm is taken. So I'm not saying that what happened to them wasn't true. I wouldn't begin to say that. But what I what I will say is that, but that was their truth. I've had other experiences. Uh, Richard Boylan's book, Positive Experiences with E.T. Visitors, uh, was a godsend to me because I was like, okay, here's somebody who's talking about the other end of the spectrum. Of course, John Mack's book, Abduction. Uh, you know, these, at, at least there was another paradigm as, a, as opposed to I'm a victim and they've come to me and they've done this, that, and the other. And again, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm just saying that the ones who visited me had, well, my God, they just healed my leg two months right. ago. Now, was this message or what they were giving you, uh, it sounds like a lot of it was very personal. Was it do you think mainly uh, kind of an education process for you that they were uh, involved in, or do you do you think there was a wider goal um, that they were also that they shared with you? Uh, that well, I think were... it is. A, I think all of even the individual is a wider goal because it's uh-huh. transformational. I'm not interested in propulsion systems or the nuts and bolts. How do they fly? How do they get here interdimensional? I'm more concerned. Well, not, that's too strong a word. I'm more attracted to and interested in. How do we relate to each other spiritually after you've had these experiences? Now, when I first started having my experiences, I was an actor in New York. I was debating whether I wanted to get out of show business and go into uh, ministry because I always knew as a kid I was going to be a minister of some sort. Mm-hmm. And But I was not on my path. I mean, I was partying after the shows. I was trying to sleep with everything that wasn't nailed down. <laughs> I mean, I was a wild and crazy guy. And I think the visitation helped me to, Michael, you know, this is not what you signed up for. Now, you can keep doing what you want, but this is not what you signed up for. There's more to it than this. And so it kind of gotten me, had gotten me back on where I was at the beginning, on mm-hmm. developing an inner life. Uh, and how do I exist and coexist? How do I uh, relate to this planet? Uh, you know, th- those were the type of things. And it got me right back on on that path into metaphysics and what have you. Uh, And so, and I think that what I'm doing now, I mean, a lot of the teachings of new thought and metaphysics, I find, and I think Dr. Boylan would maybe agree um, on some level, that this is not new thought or new age. This is stuff that our ancestors knew, the prophets, the seers, that thoughts create things, that thoughts are things. And so, and, and and that I'm part of a larger, no, I'm not just an African-American man with Cherokee blood or English blood. Or I'm not just an American. I'm I'm so much more than that. And I think that this was the, 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 I think this was what they wanted me to know, that be who you are. You've forgotten who you are. Mm-hmm. It's and, funny that you mentioned yeah. it. It's called New Age, but of course the philosophies are all uh, have their they're older, they're older than dirt. Yes, they're all these things. And so uh, I don't I don't preach it from my pulpit. I don't even though last I preached two weeks ago and uh, and two people came up to me and said I just saw you on the History Channel, and I was like oh oh okay I don't preach a UFO theology at all. I'm with the Unitarian Universalist Church. You want to talk about left brain people. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to insert, I, I may bring up some things from A Course in Miracles. I may uh, uh, throw in some stuff from Neil Walsh's conversations with God. Of course, I'll talk about Emerson, Thoreau, you know, but I, I'll try to throw in some metaphysical material. And I'm, I'm surprised uh, pleasantly so that some people already know these things. And so there's a. There's like a, a spirit moving across the, the old way of doing things, whether it's us in Syria or the way we deal with the planet, they don't work anymore. And so we've got to find new ways 
to be with one another. We fight too much. We argue too much. We go to war too quickly. We've got to find different ways to be together Mm -hmm. or we're going to kill each other. So then at, at probably I would imagine it was around this time when you started to see the Bible a little differently. Yes, uh, and I, still, I, I see it differently in many, many ways. As I stated at the outset, I think it's a wonderful book. I think all the, uh, the monotheistic religions or people of the book, as they say, the Quran, uh, beautiful. Uh, uh, the First Testament, the old, we call Old Testament, Second Testament, New Testament, fantastic. But, I, I mean, in any cosmology, the Native Americans talk about the star people. We have our Hindu uh, brothers and sisters talking about the Mahabharata and the uh, Vimanas and what have you. They always talk about, uh, there's always a story about knowledge and wisdom uh, coming down from above. And when I started looking at some of these stories of Moses and the parting of the Red Sea, of the star of Bethlehem, uh, of some of the uglier stories talking about on yesterday on, uh, uh, on the show, ancient aliens we were talking about the ark of the covenant and and some of the things that happened yahweh giving people hemorrhoids and in the king james version they call them boils but yahweh gave the philistines hemorrhoids when they stole the ark of of the covenant that doesn't sound like something a loving god would do that sounds so very human if you will Mm -hmm. and uh and uh you know uh it sounds like yahweh has a lot of issues but he's not a god he's technologically uh he probably appeared as one but he's got his anger issues and what have you and it could all be wrong this could all i could be wrong about this i just don't think i am Mm -hmm. well and you keep making the point too and, and i think it's worth pointing out that you are involved with the unitarian universalist congregation in new york and you that church or that group is is all-inclusive it honors all the different religions they really do Mm -hmm. they really do and they're not perfect but no religious system is but you know we can you know we we can explore we can say i don't believe that or i doubt that without Mm -hmm. someone saying well i'll pray for you or you don't have faith we don't those we have other issues but those are not the issues that we have right and i want to get into so then you decided to go get a degree in divinity at the oh yeah Union Theological <laughs> Seminary, which is yes. a very uh, prestigious school in New York. Yes. Yes. Um, did you find it as – was it your goal? Were you kind of like, I need to bring this idea to uh, these academics um, in theology? Well, you know, I I was afraid to at first because it wasn't a driving force because I just wanted to to, to get my education and get out of there because mm-hmm. I went – you know, I was 44 years old. When I got my master's, I didn't go to Union until I was like 41. It was a three-year program. And but when 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 people were writing, you know, when they were talking about what they wanted to write about as a master's thesis, it just didn't appear appeal to me. <laughs> and I, but I said, look, I'm having these experiences. Now I wasn't telling anyone about these experiences at mm-hmm. all. I didn't come out with my experiences until this book was written. But I was doing UFO conferences. Uh, you know, I was in the closet about it, and I just said, let's give it a whirl. And uh, my Dolores Williams, who is uh, not only a brilliant academic, but well-known in seminary circles, she was my systematic theology teacher, and she said, why don't you stay on and do a Ph.D.? She was so enthusiastic about about what I was writing, but I didn't want to be 55 years old still paying back student loans. <laughs> right. uh, you know, uh, uh, James Cone uh, in systematics was also uh, talking about, well, stay on and do uh, a PhD. And I, I appreciated it. It made me feel, because there were some brilliant people there, mm-hmm. uh, students as well as professors. Uh, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have an active ministry. Uh, and so I wrote it. It was really well received. Um, Barry Downing, who's a good colleague of mine, a mentor, he was taping the show uh, yesterday with me, and he, you know, he wrote a book, UFO, in, in the Bible, way back in 1968. I mentioned Dr. Jessup. Uh, so these are pioneers. Uh, I bring a different slant because I'm a man of color, but I'm also a contactee. And so that was the other thing when I heard David Jacobs and other folks talk. They were talking from an academic point of view. Don't want to pick on. Brother Jacobs, but he comes to mind so readily. Mm-hmm. But but I'm like, okay, 
but I have a different slant. Uh, I have a different point of departure as being a man of color, living in America. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I go to conferences once in a while, I used to, and I wouldn't see many people who look like me. And, it, and, and I began to wonder, do E.T. brothers and sisters, do they not visit people of color? What's the point? Why well, knew better than that? Because I have been visited. Uh, and I, I warn in the book about intergalactic racism, and it may be not be done so consciously, but the grays, they're dark, they're short, they're the ones that are, they're the bad ETs. The Swedes, the Nordic brothers and sisters who, you know, most Europeans see those. I mean, yes, they come here, but brothers and sisters I know in Europe, they, they say, well, we don't see a lot of grays. But, well, you know, I've been visited by the Nordics, the Swedes, and people say, well, they're the good ones. They're the blonde, blue-eyed, <laughs> Palladian, you know. But if you're dark and short and bald, and I'm being flipped in some ways, but they're the bad ones, and we categorize. So these are good and these are bad. And I, and I want us to be careful of that. Yeah. Because that's the same thing we do with one another. Right. Well, and I found this interesting because you have uh, you've got three chapters. The book is essentially broken into three parts. And yeah. the third chapter is called Religious, Conservative, and Liberal Perspectives. And yeah. it was interesting because in there you kind of tackle um, the conservative groups kind of do like what you're talking about, segregating, no, they're they're bad. And that is, oh, they come from Satan thing. and they're the fallen angels, yes. And right. that's just and, – and, and yes, there are some that you don't want to meet in a dark alley. <laughs> I mean, some of these folk, you know, you know, they, they, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't want to play with certain things. But let's always look because there's these, there's three sides to every story. Yours, mine, and the truth. Mm-hmm. And so the liberal position has been, well, these are all allegorical stories. You know, we can, we can, we can, we can sift out uh, uh, meanings, and you can. Nothing, you can do all of that. And then the other party is, well, uh, and I remember when some conservative folks would say they didn't exist. Now they exist, but they're evil. And like the Buddha says, you take the middle path. The truth is always in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so that's that. At least that's been my experience for fifty-six summers on the planet. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, and and I wonder because you've been doing this for a while and you've been um, paying attention to the uh, philosophies and the viewpoints of different um, groups. Uh, it seems as though it's grown. Uh, as far as people believing or or sharing yeah. their belief in yes. this phenomena, but like you said, yeah. both ends are growing: the conservative and the liberal ends. And, and that's okay because that mm-hmm. life is, can, can be polarity. But yeah, shows like Ancient Aliens. This is their sixth season. Of course, you have fallen skies where they're ugly and they look like bugs and da da da. You're always going to have that, and and, and there are probably reasons for that too, uh, uh, political and societal or what have you. But the mere fact that I can talk to you about this, uh, it, it shows that 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 human evolution is is changing, and so uh, it's slow, it's painful, it's annoying, but the pe- most people believe that there is life on other planets. And they know that our government is lying to us because they say, no, there's not life on other planets, and we have uh, uh, tons and tons of classified information to prove it to you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, come on, man, come on. And one day there's just going to be a sighting that, can't, that won't be explained away. It's not going to be a weather balloon. Well, we've already seen that, though, haven't we? But one day there's mm-hmm. just going to be a sighting, or we're going to see one of these uh, extraterrestrial brothers and sisters and – you know, it's just the cat's out of the bag. I say, why wait? I say, let's get our religious leaders talking about it. Let's, and I understand, I think, why the government doesn't want to talk about it, because then they're going to have to say why we lied for 50 years or mm-hmm. more. You know, why did some people wind up missing? Okay, why did Eisenhower, if that story is true, turn down uh uh, free energy and spiritual awareness for technology. I mean, we'll have to answer those things, but right. nothing changes until you call it what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't put old wine in new wineskins. Well, and along these lines, you know, what is your perspective when you see, like, the Vatican holding an astrobiological convention like <laughs> they did? You know, I, I you know, it's, it's, it's encouraging. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we won't want to lie about that. It's also, you know, you also want to say, well, what, still, what's not being told? But, but like I said, human evolution is slow. 
so I celebrate, and, and maybe some people say, well, Michael, that's low-hanging fruit. I celebrate the mere fact that they have it. And they have come out, and, and uh, uh, Baladucci, uh, uh, I think, I don't know whether he's gone on either, but he, he came out. Yes, and, 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 you know, he said, yes, it's extraterrestrial life. The Vatican has known about this for, for, for several uh, decades. Of course we know about it. So, and, 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 I, and I try to be empathetic in the sense of, you know, Maybe they think people will panic. Of course, you know, if we can get free energy and things like that, then oil companies, this whole this whole system would collapse. But maybe it needs to uh, mm-hmm. economically. Who knows? But I'm just happy that I can say that I live in a time where this is this is happening. And uh, and uh, you know, like I said, 15, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have mentioned to you that I'd had these experiences. Uh, and I, like I said, I don't preach it from my pulpit, but I mean, it's it's so acceptable now. I don't have to worry about oh, that guy's a nut. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may say that, but uh, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, it sounds like I mean, um, from your book and from what you're talking about, this transformational and evolutionary process that uh, you would feel that. You know, these extraterrestrials have been involved with this process we've been going through for oh, thousands yeah. of years yeah. um, and continue to be a part of that. I, You know what? I believe it with all my heart. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I want to say this. It, it, the, the, it, these experiences have taught me to love more deeply. I'm not saying that you have to meet an ET before you can learn to love. But I mean to really go into the depths of what it means to be at least human, and I put that in quotes, uh, and and for me to appreciate the planet and to live this, to to live it, and and even and not just to live it outside with who I encounter, but even in my personal relationships, mm-hmm. I'm much more forgiving. Uh, uh, now uh, therapy and other things have helped with that too, but but I'm much more. I'm, I'm a different person. And uh, and I'm not so much a different person in the sense that no one recognizes me, but what was in me, I'm bringing forth. Mm-hmm. And do I make mistakes? Of course, I make heinous mistakes, but I've learned to forgive myself. I'm less, less judgmental about myself as well as other people. I'm more willing to uh, say I'm sorry or I'm wrong, uh, more more able to be vulnerable, and I'm not saying all of it is from these visits, but it's the catalyst. Uh, uh, I'm less fearful. I'm more patient um, of others than myself, and I do my own spiritual practices. You know, I do yoga. I swim. I I meditate regularly. uh, You know, I I do a lot of things, so it's not by osmosis, but all these things have gone into making me the person who I am, which is like I said, beyond category. As Duke, and people used to say that about Duke Ellington. His music is hmm. beyond category. But yeah, beyond category. Uh, because I'm much more powerful than I really... I'm more responsible. I, I, I'm not the victim. I know that I do create my own reality. Um, and, when I, when I, when, and when I deviate from that, I know that's just my ego, not wanting to take responsibility. Look what's happening to me. You made me do that. Look how you're making me feel. No one can do that to me but me. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've had your own transformation and evolution. Do you feel then over these years by, you know, writing your book about, you know, which spans hundreds, thousands, thousands of years, that humanity has also evolved? And, and is there an end to evolving or do can you just no. continue to evolve forever? No, I, I think what I was just finishing up another one of uh, – Neil Walsh's books on uh, conversations with God, and no, you, you, you're evolving even when you leave this plane, mm-hmm. even when you go into life after life. You're evolving to go back to the source, and then you keep evolving. It's it's the circle, it's the circle of life, and so you're all. And and you, the only decision is if you want to grow, kicking by kicking and screaming, or do you want to go along with it? But either way, you're going to grow, mm-hmm. and so it becomes how do I want to do this? Uh, 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 you know, because, you know, there, there is the old saying that uh, aging is a fact. Maturing is optional. And uh, 
I've just decided that I'm going to keep on keeping on and and uh when it's time to leave here and go on to the next plane of existence, that will be it. But I'm I'm still growing and evolving and that's the cycle of the soul. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, this is not news. Quantum right. physics is telling us this now. Uh, they're just catching on. But our, our seers and sages have been telling us this for millennia. And, of course, you know, we get these avatars and what have you who, who come here from wherever they come from to try to remind us of who we are. And, of course, we kill them or nail them to pieces of wood or beat the you-know-what out of them. But they come anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they keep coming. They keep loving us to death. <laughs> and uh, right. eventually we'll get it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think this gets into uh, a little bit of where uh, some people struggle is that um, I, th- I think some people don't want to feel that uh, their angels or saviors or or gods are not divine and that extraterrestrial doesn't equal divinity. So where is that line between the, the divinity? For you, do you feel that, um, you know, all of these stories come from are, are extraterrestrial in nature, or, or is there some that is divine and, and beyond, uh, and some that is extraterrestrial? Well, I think it's both end. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, te- I tend to think that because people, I mean, some of these beings can shape shift or what have you, they can come to you in every one of the forms you need in order for you to for them for you to be heard, for mm-hmm. them to, so you can hear them. Uh, uh, I think. That, listen, even if I didn't have these experiences, there's an intelligence to the universe. There is a law, and if I jump out of this third floor window here off my balcony, I'm going to go splat. But there are, there's also other universal laws that you do reap what you sow. That what goes around does come around. This is regardless of extraterrestrial visitation mm-hmm. or not. And a lot of the things that we say are impossible is because maybe they're laws that we don't know about. So for me, uh, it's just one great mystery, and I'm learning to embrace the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, who was it? Was it Kierkegaard who said two things? He said, life is lived forward, but it's understood backwards. But he also said life is not a problem to be solved. It's a mystery to be lived. And so once we can live in mystery, once we can say there's some things I don't know, there's some things I'll never know, and that can be okay, then I'm in the moment. I'm not in my head. I'm in my heart. I'm, I'm in the moment. But to get caught up in trying to understand everything, and I'm not saying don't be curious, but there's some things you won't understand. Mm-hmm. And, there's, and, and it's okay not to know. But the human ego, the human ego wants to know all because there's a security in not being wrong. The human ego wants to be right. Well, it's taken me 56 summers to just get it. Michael, do you want to be right or do you want to be at peace? Right. It's interesting you say that. I just heard an interview yesterday from a lady uh, who wrote a book called I Don't Know. And it's about this exact topic. It's about yeah. the psychology behind people struggling with the idea of they don't want to say, I don't know, you know, it's hard for them. They have to come up with an answer, even if it's not accurate. Right. It's Um, scary. It's mm -hmm. scary. Uh, And and part of that is growing up, too. I mean, I know a guy who told me that his father would rather, uh, said he'd rather uh, uh, hurt himself than to be right, than to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Never admit. And that's playing God. That's hubris. Uh, uh, You know, of course you can do that. That's part of being in the body uh, on planet Earth, that you're going to be wrong. And if I'm looking forward, I'm not going to see what's behind me. Uh, that's just part of the game plan. I don't know. I don't know where it's like, if that's the way on other dimensions or other planets, but on this planet, that's that's the way it's working. Mm-hmm. Now, and and it sounds like too when you're talking about the evolution and these these laws in that case, if if uh, the manifestation of like you said, they whatever comes to teach you these laws. It kind of means that everything's a piece of divinity. Everything is uh, divine at, at yes. some level. That's what the Buddhists say. Mm-hmm. The Buddhists yeah, the say, Eastern philosophies know? are more along those lines. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and, and the more contemplative, contemplative monks in, in Christianity can probably uh, uh, express it in a similar fashion. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the power of now. 
And what I have, like I'm talking to you. I've been talking to you for about 45 minutes. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do when we hang up. I'm not thinking about what I did before you called. I'm, I'm in the moment with you now because that's all I really have. Mm-hmm. And my now will shape my future. I can't change the past. And I don't, the future hasn't gotten here yet. But if I'm in the present now, that will help shape my future. Mm-hmm. So what and you then th- that's all we have. I guess would you then argue which that regardless of where the message comes from, um, like for instance, when you're looking at this and you're seeing the similarities, like for instance, you have this beautiful image, which I'm sure many of our listeners have seen. Uh, it's, it's this painting from ni- uh, 1486 uh, called The Annunciation with uh, St. Yes. Amidius, yes. where there's a disc shape with a beam coming down. <laughs> yes. um, that these demonstrate or are similar to stories we hear these days that are uh, attributed to extraterrestrial, but the message is still the same regardless. The message is that we've come here to grow and to love. Mm-hmm. That's it. Reptilian, Palladian, praying mantis, doesn't matter who's bringing it to you. They may, they may rock your world with the way they look, but you've got to go beyond appearances. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that I believe, Michael, not not, I have to own this for me. Everybody has their own path. That we are here to love in all its many manifestations. And the teacher may not be with the long hair or the dreadlocks that I used to have. And the, you know, <laughs> it may, they may not come with the long robe. They may be the person who flips you the bird and cuts you off in traffic. Mm-hmm. It may be the person in line with you at the bank. They may be your greatest teacher, mm-hmm. at least for that day and that moment. And so we may be looking for the, the eureka, or they call it the aha moment, looking for the universe to send us the message in a blue box, but it's coming behind you in a red box, but we're so wedded to what's in the blue box that we miss it all together. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what I don't want people to do. That's what I don't want to do. Yeah. In your perspective, then, with all of this kind of interaction that may have been happening with these with extraterrestrials, um, do you think um, that we'll get to a moment, or we're getting closer to a moment where it will be, um, it won't be as secretive. It'll be above board. Yeah. It'll be face to face. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 it, yeah, yeah. Dr. King said, "Well, Dr. King quoted Victor Hugo: No lie lives forever. Mm-hmm. No lie lives forever. And uh, yeah, it's only a matter of time." Now, does that mean I'll live to see it? I'd like to. I could go out of here today and get hit by a car or what have you. But, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. And some would argue that it already has happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, uh, I have videotape here of, 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 of someone in Mexico taking pictures of flying saucers uh, in, 20, in the year 2000, and it's interesting. There's more proof that flying saucers exist than there are that Jesus existed, and mm-hmm. I do believe he existed. But we Which, have camcorder tape. We have tape right. for this. But people will still say, no, 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 that's that's something else. Yeah, interesting. Because um, yeah. that was Monsignor Balducci's main argument was that, uh, you know, the belief in, in Jesus and in the Bible, is, these are anecdotal stories. It's mostly anecdotal, and so is uh, a lot of the, the UFO phenomena. And if I'm going to believe the anecdotes of, of these people, I've got to be open to the stories of others as well. Especially when I can see it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what's the, are you going to believe me or are you going to believe your lying eyes, right? right. I mean, if I, I've seen it, mm-hmm. and, and I know what I've seen. And so, uh, you know, I, I have to follow that. I have to follow that. But you know what? What it comes down to is this, Alejandro. It doesn't matter. I'll know what you believe by how you treat me. Mm-hmm. You can go to Bible study every Wednesday night. You can go to the temple on Friday, tomorrow, Shabbos. You can go to the, uh, uh, the mosque on Saturday, you, Friday night. You can do all of that. But I don't know what you believe by the way you treat me. Mm-hmm. That'll be the biggest, the greatest sermon that I will ever get or ever give. Right. Well, see, and I think that works kind of it's very important because, like you said, the message is what what's important when it comes down to it. However, you accept that message. Yes, and you don't have to believe in UFOs. You don't have, just be a loving person. Mm-hmm. Just, just 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 look inside and look at your rough edges. And what can you learn? What do you need to look at? Where are you not conscious? 
Mm-hmm. That's all this is about. Really, it is. I mean, that's what these books were purported to tell us. Yes, some human beings wrote them, and they were flawed, and they wrote from their <laughs> own political, social, and cultural perspective. But those stories have meaning. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you can look and glean the meaning. And they, they're, they're a wealth of wisdom of how to live your life now. Those are eternal truths. Well, I guess my final question, because we're running out of time, we'll get. Oh, yeah, I don't want to tell people where they can get the book. Too. Exactly. Yeah, we want yes, to get back into the book because the book is great. You know, uh, Thank it, you. It, it talks about you know UFOs in a historical context. You also go into the UFOs in antiquity, which people are really interested in. Yes. And then uh, we talked actually more about the third part, which is the conservative and liberal perspectives. Yeah. But uh, what are some other parts of the book that you, you are, are proud of that people really like that you would like people to know that, that are I would, I'd like them to look at the, 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 the section on the Quran mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you can't have, first of all, you can't have Judaism. You, have, you can't have Christianity without Judaism. Uh, you know, and the Moses, Moses, the Moses story with the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. That's, there is no Jewish religion until the Exodus, so is the UFO involved in that. And, of course, you can't have uh, 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 Islam without Christianity and Judaism, mostly Judaism. And so I want people to look at that and to familiarize yourself with some of the passages in the Quran beautiful book. Um, and I would also like you to look at the lessons I've learned uh, as a contactee, mm-hmm. lessons that I have learned, um, and uh, you know, perhaps you can relate to them, perhaps not, uh, and just see where it leads you. See where it leads you. Uh, keep looking up. What you can't relate to, just reject it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. My ego's not vested in it. Well, and I and think people will like your personal experiences, which we've talked about uh, somewhat, but that you've also documented in this book. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. so that was me coming out for a while because usually I would talk about the Bible and philosophy, but I wouldn't talk about my own personal experiences. And kudos to my first publisher, uh, Barbara DeBolt, who said, Michael, you got to tell people your story. Also, just want to give a shout-out to Mark uh, Eddy, who is my publicist, and to Brian Kennard, who is uh, the publisher uh, of, these, of, of, of these books. And uh, and they've done a great job, and I want to just give credit, Grave Distractions Publications in Nashville, Tennessee. That's the publisher. But you can go to Amazon. The book is 1099, um, and you can also get the Kindle or Nook edition. So it's also out as an e-book. It's 4.99 on Amazon, on uh, Barnes and Nobles. You can also go to my website, which is www. Uh, dot michaeljscarter.com or just forget the W's and go to michaeljscarter.com and uh, and pick up the book that way. All right, great. And I don't know if we said it enough, but the book's title is Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials, and the Holy Bible. Yes, I would I would love them to read it. And you can I have a blog, uh, and you can just you can go to my website and give me your thoughts. And uh, give me your opinions. I love to read them, and I will answer. I will respond. Well, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting. And as usual, the time flies. Um, I know. Maybe it, we can do it again. Or you have a you have a, a, a TV show. Well, we do um, have that. a on YouTube. We uh-huh. do some videos. And, okay, I thought uh, it was open, open space or something like that. We have, yeah, we do different interviews. We have also spacing out, which okay. uh, we cover some UFO news and usually have an interview on that too. And that's done by um, this couple of very talented individuals, um, Jason McClellan and Maureen Ellsbury, and a couple of other coworkers of mine. Well, maybe we can connect that way. Yeah, that would be great. All righty. Thank you, Alejandro. I wish you peace and many blessings. All right. Great. Thank you very much. All right. So long. All right. Thank you so much to Reverend Carter. That was a lot of fun talking to him about his book. Um, Remember, you can get his book on Amazon. It's called Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials in the Holy Bible. Um, Also, you can go to his website, like he mentioned. It's michaeljscarter.com. 
you can actually just look up Reverend Michael Carter or something like that, and you'll find his website as well. And there you'll be able to read his blog and, uh, and also get some more information on his book. So, And then watch Ancient Aliens. In fact, um, he just got back from filming some uh, episodes of Ancient Aliens just before we talked to him. So um, you'll see some, some more of Reverend Carter on Ancient Aliens. So that should be exciting. Thank you all so so much for listening. Remember, if you want to hear any of those news stories or read about those news stories that we talked about earlier today, go to openminds.tv. Also, you can go to YouTube, and we're always posting great videos there, including Spacing Out, where they cover more of the news. Uh, Maureen and Jason host that, and they do a spectacular job. So Spacing Out on the Open Minds TV YouTube. And thank you very much for listening and being with us once again. Join us next week for another exciting show. And I want to thank, as usual, the people who uh, donated the music for the show. And that is Caleb Hanks for the opening and Two Earth Minutes for the close. So thank you all very much. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, muchachos. Thank you.